Welcome to the Declutter Your Life podcast. My name is Anna Ortiz-Aragon. I am the CEO and founder of Declutter with Anna. I help female entrepreneurs create space in their homes, their lives, and energetic fields. I have been a classroom teacher, a professional organizer, a Reiki master, and now I'm a soulful entrepreneur. And I'm so excited to share episodes with my favorite healers, some personal transmissions and downloads that I've received, and just overall inspiration to make this world a better place. Tune in now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Anna Ortiz-Aragon, and this is the Declutter Your Life podcast. And today we are doing episode 43, Chronic Pain. It's not all in your head with Dr. Dave Candy. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm great, Anna. Thanks for having me here. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Dave and I originally met at a networking group. It was called NTI Networking Today International in Webster Groves. And Amanda LaPlante, she's amazing. She's been on a former podcast. She was like the leader. And it was kind of like the healing, holistic, you know, networking group. Um, And so we connected and then Dave recently had me on his podcast. So we decided to trade episodes and he has written a book all about chronic pain. And so I wanted to have him on here. So Dave, thank you. And introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Um, well, I help people with chronic pain, you know, by background, I'm a physical therapist, but what I do these days is very far removed from probably what most people would think of as traditional physical therapy. Um, not a whole lot of exercise. It's more um, just learning how to live your life in a better way that's going to help you be able to do the things you want to do, whether that's just staying active, being able to stay independent in your home, or you know, getting rid of some nagging and pain so you can spend time with family or friends or play with kids or grandkids. And you know, largely when people do exercises, once the pain goes away, they stop doing the exercises and the pain comes back. But you know, if you can teach someone how to get out of bed more comfortably or vacuum more comfortably or you know, get up and down from the floor more comfortably, they're not going to stop doing those things because they have to do them every day. And then there's also a lot of lifestyle management with you know, stress management, um, you know, environment management, which is great on this show. And, um, you know, lifestyle things like sleep, nutrition, um, a lot of, it's more holistic than probably physical therapy. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. I love it. So amazing. So how did you get into this originally? So first you started with physical therapy, like what drew you in that direction? Um, well, it's kind of a funny story, actually. I, I wanted to be as a, a high school kid who was as a high school athlete, uh, I wanted to be an athletic trainer. And so I, I sat down with my high school guidance counselor and said, Hey, I'd like to be an athletic trainer. And he said, well, you could do that, but my son's an athletic trainer and you spend long hours with the team. You work evenings, you work weekends, you work nights. Um, you're kind of at the mercy of the coach and you don't get paid all that well. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound real good. So he said, you should go into physical therapy. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually did my bachelor's in athletic training and found out that he was actually pretty dead on with his predictions. So it went into uh, the doctorate program in physical therapy at the University of Pittsburgh and came out with my doctorate three years later. And um, 
then did a lot of education along the way. I got out of school, still kind of with that sports mindset that I want to work with athletes and quickly found that you know, when you work with athletes, it's either whiny high school kids or prima donna um, you know, kind of professional college athletes who you know, really don't want a whole lot to do with you. And at the end of the day, you know, does it make that big a difference in the grand scheme of things, whether the kid can get on the football field or the basketball court this week? Is it really going to affect things that much in the long term? And really, I found that I just got more satisfaction out of helping normal people do things that actually mattered in their life. And at the same time, you know, you come out of school with a, a doctorate of physical therapy and you're passionate and you think you're going to heal the world. And then quickly you find that the stuff you learned in school works for a good percentage of people. And then there's this small subset that it doesn't actually work for. And well, that, that doesn't seem right. You know, why does it, why do I do this same thing for one person with a back problem and they get better and this other thing for another person with a back problem and they don't get better. And so I wanted to find that out. So went into you know, doing a couple, uh, a fellowship in manual therapy, which teaches you a lot about how to work with your hands and do like soft tissue manipulation, spinal manipulation, mm -hmm. hands-on things. But really the true value in that was the reasoning, the, the clinical reasoning to be able to think through difficult problems and be able to find out, okay, why is this problem different from another problem that may look similar? And how could I treat this different in order to get a better outcome? Um, and along with that, I learned a lot about chronic pain. Um, I also did some more training with a, a dry needling institute that uh, teaches you a lot about chronic muscle pain. And I had a few great mentors at one of my former jobs um, that you know, just opened my eyes to this whole new world of, of chronic pain that it's not just you know, in your tissues, that normally your body can heal itself you know, within about 12 weeks from most injuries or most type of problems. Um, but yet there are people, and we all probably know one that has pain that lasts for months or years or even decades beyond that. And so learning the other factors that affect pain, it's much more of a whole person approach and not, hey, my knee is injured or my back is injured or my ankle is injured. And so that's kind of how I got more into the, the holistic approach. I love it. Um... So interesting. Yes. So I um, used to be a personal trainer. So I became a certified personal trainer. And I love what you're saying about functional movements, because a lot of personal trainers, it's like Sean T insanity or like burpees all day long. And that can actually cause a lot of stress on the body. And so like, I remember meeting some trainers that were like, okay, there's four essential movements, like push, pull, press and squat. And like, that's so you can like, pick something up off the floor so you can get out of bed, get in, in and out of a chair. And I think that helping people with functional movements is crucial. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the bulk of it from the physical standpoint. And then the whole other lifestyle factor is a, uh, another animal in itself. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So you mentioned that the body can heal itself and I'm like 100% a believer in that. So how did you become, how, how did you experience this yourself? Did you like heal yourself from some kind of injury? And so you were like, Hey, I know that it's a holistic experience and that we have to treat the whole person. You know, I've been very, very fortunate that 
I've not had a ton of major injuries myself. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, a knee injury my senior year of high school, but you know, largely that that got better in the time frame that that it should have. And I never actually, I never actually myself had to have physical therapy. But you know, mm-hmm. going through sports in school, and you know, my mom had some physical therapy, and I've I saw the effects of it early on. I thought, you know, there's some value to this, but. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of lost train of thought there. Uh, what was your original question? <laughs> oh, yes. It was that the body can heal itself and just how powerful that statement is. Right. So you know, when when the, the body heals itself, um, you know, there were millennia where humans sort of existed and there were no medications like we have today. There were no MRIs. There were no... Um, you know, surgeries, uh, at least not the way that we have it today. It was pretty brute. Um, and yet, you know, humans survived. They found a way to make it happen. And really that's evolution and it's, it's basic that, you know, survival is going to, you know, survival of the fittest. And, and we like to think as humans that we're kind of immune from that, but, but we're not in some respects. Um, but no, I never really had a personal, you know, experience with it. I'm, I had experiences, I guess, as a practitioner of people that didn't get better with the traditional approach. And I thought, well, there's got to be something else out there. Mm-hmm. This is what I stumbled across. I love it. Yes. So tell us a little bit more about the other factors that can contribute to pain. So you said, you know, it's not just your knee all the time. It's not always your ankle. There can be other factors affecting the pain. Well, sure. You know, pain is something that we call a biopsychosocial phenomenon. So it's biological, meaning your tissues and your body, the stuff we typically think of. But there's two other pillars to that. The, the psychological, what we think and feel about it, you know, are, are, does it make us anxious? Um, are we depressed because we can't do the things we used to do? Um, are we fearful that we'll have to live with the pain for the rest of our lives? And actually research has shown that those factors are much, much higher predictors of chronic pain than are any like MRI or physical finding. And mm-hmm. then the last component is the social component, the um, you know, the things that stops you from doing in society. So, so does it stop you from holding a job? Does it stop you from taking care of your household? Does it stop you from being a, a mom or a dad or a grandparent? And you know, largely most people can deal with some pain. Um, you, you ask most people and they'll say, yeah, I have a pretty high t- pain tolerance. But you know, when it stops you from doing something that you either need to do or that you really love to do, that's when it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. And so every pain experience has a little bit of bio and a little bit of psycho and a little bit of social in it, um, every single one. Now, in some like acute injuries when you just hurt yourself, it's very, very, very highly bio, bio and a little bit of psycho and a little bit of social. Um, mm-hmm. With chronic pain, that that bio starts dropping out. It's not, it's not gone. You know, abnormal movements can still kind of trigger things. Um, you know, your body still plays a role, but you know the psychological and the social. The longer it's been around, the more you start to worry. Hey, is this ever going to go away? Mm-hmm. The more you start to get depressed because hey, I used to be able to do X, Y, or Z and. I'm not here anymore. Um, the more you start to get anxious that, hey, I'd love to go do this, but I'm worried that if I go out, I, I'm going to you know, have to stop because it's going to hurt. And I don't want to drag my family and friends down or be a burden to them. So 
I'm just going to stay home and you know, suffer in my misery and not bring anyone else down with me. And that's really kind of a sad way to live. Um, so I, I try to help people break out of that and be able to get back to doing the things that they love. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. The psychological for sure. And social, like the placebo effect, you know, like that's a real thing. So if you believe you're going to get better, you will. And if you don't, like you won't. Um, and the social aspect as well. And I think it's definitely interesting. So, oh my gosh. Okay. So during 2020, do you feel like your patients have experienced more pain, particularly because the social aspect is so like constricted right now? Yeah, yeah, I do. And especially, you know, here in St. Louis, um, we were under a, a two month basically stay at home order where unless there were necessities like going out for grocery stores or going to doctor's visits, um, yeah, you're pretty much at home. Yeah. And, you know, spending you know, one, a lot more time in your environment. I'm sure you saw a lot of issues with people being yeah. at home more, but also they were moving less, you know, just exactly. it's amazing how much just going out to the grocery store, going out to a shopping mall, which people weren't doing, um, you know, going and spending time with family and friends or doing things um, together outdoors in public facilities, um, you know, walking up the stairs at a, at a hockey game or you know, a baseball game. You get exercise and activity even when you're not you know, exercising per se. Mm -hmm. um, you're moving around and when you stop moving, you start hurting, things get stiff and tight. And at the same time, people were, were, were depressed. You know, they couldn't do those things. They, we, we don't still really don't know how long this is going to go on. We understand more about the virus, but at first it was just kind of new and scary. And, and there was a lot of fear out there. There still is. Um, and you know, just the uncertainty of it. Yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine just like you said, you know, you don't really have to go to CrossFit every day or run a mile every morning necessarily. You just have to have some kind of movement in your day. Like I always think back to our ancestors who were living in villages and stuff and they were just farming, you know, they were just living life and they were, you know, basically they didn't need to exercise. They didn't need treadmills or gym memberships. Um, so interesting. And yeah, depression and anxiety can definitely be like physically painful. Um, yes. So tell us a little bit more about like, I'm really interested in the psychological aspect, the think and feel. Any other tidbits that you have for us, especially from your book, Chronic Pain, It's Not All in Your Head? <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for that. It's called Chronic Pain. You're not just getting older. You're not crazy. And it's not all in your head. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, the psychological aspect, like you mentioned, I think you mentioned the placebo effect. And they talk about that in pharmaceutical trials or in medical research. You have, you know, an active group and then a placebo group, which people kind of say like, well, the placebo is just, it doesn't actually work. You're just thinking about it. But hey, if taking a sugar pill makes me feel better, I'm going to take one for the rest of my life every single day, as long as there's no side effects to it. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, just because it's not the effect that you're studying 
for that particular drug or medication or surgery or other intervention um, that you're doing doesn't mean that that it's not an effect. And there's also the opposite of that, like you mentioned, is called the nocebo or nocebo effect. Um, mm. That if you don't think something's going to be effective, even a highly highly researched effective treatment, if you don't believe in it, it's probably not going to work for you. And so you know, kind of finding the right solution for each individual person is really important because a drug or a physical therapy treatment or you know, some sort of protocol is exactly that. It's a protocol. It works for most people a certain percentage of the time. But if it's 99% effective and you're that 1% it doesn't work for, it does you zero good. Um, it doesn't help at all. So mm-hmm. you know, finding the treatments that are most likely to help an individual and then monitoring those effects and not getting married to one approach that, hey, we try this, this is very likely to approach based on you know everything that I know and all the patients that I've seen in the past and we'll see what effects you get from it. And <laughs> Okay guys, it looks like Dr. Dave is buffering. So yeah, we'll just hang out and wait for him a little bit. But yes, we were just talking about the three different pillars of pain. So Dr. Dave was telling us about the bio aspect, which is the actual pain experience, the feeling in your body. And then he was talking about the psychological aspect of pain, which is how you think and feel about it, right? Which can include depression, anxiety, you know, maybe um, embarrassment, those types of things, and the social aspect of pain. I think I'm back here, hopefully. Yes. Okay, we have no video, but we can hear you. Yes. Uh, Let's see. Uh, There we go. Sorry, I'm on my laptop, and I realized that I did not have it plugged in, so it uh, (laughs) dropped out there for a minute. But um, All good. Uh, yeah, so we were talking about placebo and, and nocebo, I think. Yeah. And you know, based on you know, past history and everything that I've seen in the past, we start with one approach, but you know, keep an open mind that, hey, if this isn't the approach that's working for you, we need to do something else. And I encourage people who have had lots of different treatments, which most of my patients by this time, they've, they've been to chiropractors, they've been to physical therapists, they've been to massage therapists, they've tried pills. Um, injections. Some have even had surgeries and still have pain. And, you know, they're searching and searching and searching. And after a number of failed attempts, people start to think, I've tried everything. There's nothing else. I'm just going to have to live with this. And there's something there's something out there that, that's going to help you. Um, you just haven't found it yet. Um, yeah. And just not giving up that hope is probably the biggest um message that I would have to people is that have hope that it'll get better because there there's a way. And a lot of times the things that I find to be most effective, they're simple. They're almost so simple that like with this big problem, people overlook the small stuff mm-hmm. and just making little changes like you know, eating better, sleeping better, stopping smoking, moving more, um, managing your stress a little bit better decluttering your environment if that's stressing you out. Just little actionable things um, are really what I find makes the biggest difference. 
Absolutely. Yes. And yeah, that kind of brings me to my next question. So I was thinking about the title of your book, um, you know, and how do you honor the patients that have been looking around? They've maybe been turned away, ignored, you know, sent to a bunch of different specialists. Like, how do you honor them and really see them in the pain state that they are experiencing? Well, I mean, it starts with just taking the time to listen to them. And that's something that we as medical providers are are not good at a whole of doing that uh, having just always having to worry about next patient, next patient, next patient in a typical medical environment. Um, uh, I think there's a study that says it's about seven seconds or 10 seconds or 11 seconds somewhere. It's not long before we start to interrupt people as a whole and just respecting someone enough to say, you know what, I'm going to keep my mouth shut no matter how much I want to chime in and just let you tell your whole story. Because a lot of people who have been suffering for a long time, there's a lot of history. And that's, if you listen to the patient long enough, they're pretty much going to tell you what you need to do. Um, but the problem is we just can't keep our mouth shut long enough to actually let them get to that answer. Um, I think there's a humbleness on our part about you know, not just jumping to, hey, this is what I do and I'm the expert and I can help you, but saying, okay, I'm going to listen to everything you have to say, find out where you're coming from with things, and then um, yeah, then we'll move on terms that you're comfortable with. And I always give people the option that, hey, this is what I think would work best based on everything that I've seen in the past, but here's another option for you too. And you know, if you would prefer that one, I'm perfectly fine to go on and do that other one because at the end of the day, it's your life and it's your body and you're the one that has to make the choices and live with the, the outcomes of it. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Like listening for sure. That's definitely how I approach my organizing clients. Like they just you know, just let them talk, let them tell you the stresses and they will often point you in the direction of the answer, you know? Um, and then I also liked how you touched upon choice and that you can empower the patient. Like oftentimes, you know, I am, you know, like nine months pregnant, for example, and I don't feel like I have a lot of choice in my prenatal care. And sometimes that can be really frustrating and like insulting a little bit. Like I don't have a say, um, so empowering your clients saying, hey, this is what I would recommend, but here's another option so they can feel a part of the process and a part of the healing. And I think it also like makes it that that they will be more willing to stick to the treatment because they had a say in it, like they were a part of the solution themselves. True. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I don't know if you watch the show Hoarders at all, but you know they—they they always, you know, the people that you know, change their mindset end up doing really well. The people that they say, "Hey, you just need to throw all this stuff out fast," yeah. um, you know, <laughs> they throw all the stuff out and then they reaccumulate it. So, exactly. it, in order for anything to be effective, whether it's getting your house cleaner or whether it's making your life better or getting out of pain, you know, in order for something to change, you have to change. Yeah, you have to buy in. You have to be an equal participant in the matter. Oh, so good, Dave. Okay, so 
Now I'd like to slide on to the next question. So this is something that I ask everybody on every single episode. What is something that you have recently let go of? Oh, let's see. Um, honestly, control is a big thing. Um, I am by nature a, a perfectionist and a control freak, and I would love to just be able to control every aspect of my environment at all times. But number one, that's not feasible. It's not possible. And two, it, it becomes so stressful, you know, being a perfectionist, feeling like you have all these balls up in the air. And if you drop one, the world's just going to come crashing down. Um, and uh, I'm not that important. You're not that important. <laughs> you know, um, the world does not depend on, you know, whether you want to wear the green shirt today or the blue shirt or, and those were the things that I found myself stressing out over the most is that when I have to make a big decision, I'm actually pretty good at doing it and making a good decision quickly. But when it comes to like the little tiny things that don't matter at all, I just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And letting some of that go has been a big thing, um, you know, with some of the unpredictability of the environment these days, you know, just saying, you know what, I'm going to do the things that I can do that are under my control. And I'm not going to worry about all the things that, that I can't change because I can't do anything about it. So there's no sense stressing over it. And as my business has grown and I'm gathering some new employees in the business, you know, I would love to just be able to do everything myself, but I don't have that much time. And being able to trust things to other people and say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of let you manage this. And if you make a mistake, you know, oh, well, we'll go over it. And a lot of times when I do that, I find out they do it better than I do in the first place. So, you know, I try to stick to the things that I'm an expert in and delegate the things that, you know, I probably don't need to be doing myself. And a lot of times I find that uh, their complimentary gifts and skills, um, you know, are much better at the things that I'm not good at. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Control and perfectionism are definitely a theme in my life as well. <laughs> definitely. And I often say like perfectionism is a train that you're never going to catch. So True. <laughs> like do yourself a favor and just delegate. Yeah. Delegating, especially as business owners. It's like, this is our baby. We worked so hard. Like we love the brand. We love our clients, but yeah, letting others help us and support us is really how we're going to like affect greater change and influence in the world. So that speaks to me deeply. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So Dr. Dave, will you please tell us how can we reach you? Uh, sure. So uh, I have a, a lot of different channels on social media. We're on uh, Facebook at our handle is m4lpt.com. On Instagram, I think, and Twitter, I think it's actually movement, the number four, uh, lifept.com. Um, and then our website is m, the number four, lpt.com. Um, so you can find us at any of those. Um, I also have a podcast, the St. Louis Pain Expert Podcast, and a book that's available on Amazon. Um, it's called Chronic Pain. You're not just getting older. You're not crazy. And it's not all in your head. And it just answers some of the common questions about pain that I've 
found myself repeating over and over and over and over and over. And so you know, if you have some questions, it's a great resource. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much how you can get hold of me. I love it. And I love the title of your book. I think it's so interesting. Like all those, all those examples, like, oh, just, it's great. I, I am attracted to books with like super interesting titles. So I love the way you did that. <laughs> well, you know, those are the things that I hear people say all the time is that, oh, my doctor said I'm just getting older and I have to deal with it. Or, you know, they're telling me that nothing's wrong, that my MRI looks normal and I, I'm going crazy or it's not all in my head, but you know, something's wrong. And mm -hmm. they're right. You know, if you're hurting, there's a reason for it. And it may not be always a physical reason, but at the same time, it's not all in your head. You're not crazy. You're not making it up. Um, it just may not be a problem on your MRI or in, or, or, you know, in your knee joint. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Amazing. So thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Dave. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with us before we sign off? Yeah, I think, it, and I kind of shared this before, is just that don't give up hope. You know, if you're suffering from pain, whether that's you know, a physical pain or an emotional pain or some kind of stress, that you know, there is some help for you somewhere out there. And just don't stop looking until you find that. And there are a lot of resources out there and a lot of people to help point you in the right direction. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you. This was really great. I'm so excited. And yes, you guys, I'm going to be uploading this video to YouTube. I'm going to be sharing it everywhere. I'm going to put it on Instagram. And please leave some comments here. Dr. Dave, tag him, tag his business, and he will respond to you. You know, check out his book, check out all the links in the show notes. And I hope that you guys learned something and really resonated with this episode today. Thank you so much. We're going to sign off. Thank you, Dr. Dave. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Anna. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Declutter Your Life podcast. I am so honored to hold space for you and introduce you to my favorite healers and speakers. If you'd like to keep in touch, please follow me at Declutter with Anna on socials and join my membership. It's for Sacred Soul Sisters. It's really beautiful, really powerful. And I also have a mastermind for my soulful entrepreneurs. All of this information is available on my website, www.declutterwithanna.com. And if you have any topics that you'd like me to cover, please shoot me an anchor voice memo or email me at info at declutterwithanna.com. I love you guys. I hope you have a beautiful day and keep shining.